You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. You like that, don't you, Beamer? That's amazing. I had to run that up for you because of your guy, Khalil Mack, last night. Just, you got to love this. If you guys don't know, my guy, Beamer, is a big-time Chicago Bears fan, and he's been smiling from ear to ear because Khalil Mack has completely changed the dynamic of his team. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling great, Maddie. You know, I came in last week just like a zombie on uh, Monday night after – you know, the Hall of Famer, Jesus himself, walks out of that tunnel for Lambeau, takes over in the second half. Uh, Bears got another primetime shot on Monday this week, and they uh, ended up taking the Seahawks down 24-17. Bears moved to 1-1 one and one on the season. And, yeah, Khalil Mack, my guy, he is un- He's a problem. Stoppable. Yeah, He's he, unstoppable. He, he, is a, he is a problem. And, and you we've seen it here on a smaller scale with Nick Bosa, how a guy like that can just wreck sure. a game. Those guys can wreck games. It's such a valuable asset, man, to have a really, really good pass rusher. So, no, I wanted to get that in there for you. And also, in case you haven't heard, Buckeye fans, Urban Meyer's back. I mean, Mm. he he is back in the building. Um, He's been coaching. We know that. But, I mean, he stepped up to the podium yesterday, Beam, and really just took a lot of the bullets that I think he maybe should have taken a little bit earlier. And maybe that would have softened the blow for, you know, his situation at hand. But overall, he's back in the building. We're back to normal for Ohio State stuff. Ryan Day, he did a phenomenal job. We talked about that yesterday on the pod here. So no beam. I mean, he's back. And look, I think a lot of Buckeye fans are excited to have their head coach back on the sideline. No doubt. Uh, you Anytime you get one of the greatest college football coaches to come back and you know, put some more juice and energy into your program, then uh, it's always going to be a good thing. But yesterday, Matty, uh, you know, he, he goes out there for his first press availability uh, since he was suspended, and I think he did did the right thing. He, I, I actually, I went into this press conference. Uh, he started off by naming, like, Players of the Week and who graded out champion right, and everything, right. and I'm like, oh, no, we're really going to sit here <laughs> and we're going to do this and we're just going right. to say it's, we're on to Tulane. I'm going to answer no questions about that. Uh, but to his credit... You know, he had um, he had about three weeks to yeah. get his get his eggs in order, right. get his eyes dotted and his T's crossed, and he sat up there for an hour and and took questions. Uh, and really, I thought that that was going to be the scene the day after he was suspended. I thought that the Ohio State football team, the Ohio State athletics department, they were going to call a press conference yeah. and let Urban go over all this. Uh, they let him serve his suspension first, uh, and he sat out there and he took every single question to be able to get everything out of the way, get everything off of his chest that he wanted to get out. And he uh, he was up at the podium for just about an hour. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty amazing uh, to hear what he had to say about the in- entire situation. But, uh, you know, I give all the credit in the world to him for not for not dodging anything and not saying this is just football. I'm going to worry about Tulane. Right. Um, for him to stand up there and actually uh, state what he saw and what happened and give a timeline of Zach Smith – uh, from 2015 on, I thought I thought was uh, pretty impressive by him. No, I'm with you on that, and I think that's well said. He was definitely um, he definitely did what he had to do, and I think it wouldn't have been a good look if he stepped up to the podium yeah. and just tried to X and O that press conference to death because you have to uh, address the elephant in the room, and unfortunately, still the elephant in the room right now is the Courtney Smith Zach Smith situation. Sure. Now, 
it's it's quieted down now. I happen to believe that somebody's still digging, possibly for these text messages. You know how it works now, 2018, where you can always find that stuff. So you better believe that people are going to try and dig out those text messages that people believe that are out there, that some people are buying into the fact that Urban Meyer did remove some stuff from his phone that really would have making this investigation um, a lot heavier than what it was already. So we're going to play a couple uh, minutes here of Urban's statement from yesterday. He did come out, and he really just put laid it all out there for the media for the fans and everyone to listen to. Here it is right here. As I was receiving updates, as it became close to the conclusion, what I was hearing back from law enforcement is that this was not domestic violence, that this was a very nasty divorce, child custody issues involved, but it was not domestic violence. And finally, in conclusion, that was what we received back, that there was no arrest, no charges, not domestic violence, just a very uh, messy divorce with child custody issues. I then had to make a decision, and that decision was, you know, I've seen Courtney Smith for many years around here uh, with her beautiful children. Um, I made a decision like I have in the past. Once I knew domestic violence was not part of the situation, once again, if it was, it was perfectly clear, and the report shares that. Mary Jo's report came out with that, saying that, uh, that she was impressed with our core values of treat one with respect, which we work so hard on that around here. And then also that I would fire any staff member immediately if I believed or I was told that this was, in fact, domestic violence. So I made a decision. How do I best help stabilize? I've seen these kids many, many times. Like I said, I've seen Courtney many, many times. I was dealing with a coach that was dealing with work-related issues all during this time of this uh, separation and divorce. And so I made a decision, and I talked to Gene about it. Uh, let's get him very intense counseling. Let's monitor this closely and help try to stabilize this guy so he can be a good father and support the family the way he should. And that's what we did. So we put him in counseling. We watched it very closely throughout the counseling. Uh, I was made aware of a couple scenarios, situations that took place. Um, one was a credit card situation where he was supporting two homes, I was told, and he maximized his credit cards. Uh, Gene and I both sat with him and tried to advise him through that. I was also made aware that uh, through the counseling, university counseling, that he has a prescription drug that he was using more than he should. I again asked what needed to be done, and uh, they assured me he was doing much better. He was getting everything in order, and I actually thought we made it through it. Uh, He came out the other end of this uh, very difficult time. His production increased. He looked much better. I saw his children constantly, which I encourage. We have family nights every week, so I see his children all the time. Um, He became, uh, once again, one of our better recruiters. Um, Had a good year, had a great year in 17, and actually had some job offers this year um, to move on. He made a decision to stay here because he didn't want to leave his children. I thought we made it through, and periodically I would ask about the relationship with him and Courtney, and I was told by him that uh, it was very good. It was very good. And so that was in 16, 17. And really, the first six months of 18, I heard nothing other than things are going fairly well, very well. And then in the uh, summer of 2018, uh, we're on vacation. I was back here getting work, getting ready for training camp. I'm made aware of a trespassing citation. I call him in immediately off of vacation, and I ask, what's this all about? And I find out it's actually two months prior to when I found out. I was very upset with him, very angry about not being forthright. And I, because I have to alert Gene, which I did immediately. I alerted Gene about this trespassing. He made it 
sound as if he just dropped his kids off at the wrong place. He was supposed to drop them off here. Instead, he dropped them off here. He, I think he said like a $25 fine or something like that. And my, I just was so angry that I had to hear about it from somewhere else. I made it clear. You keep me posted on everything. I've made it clear to all our coaches. I need to know before I'm told from you. And uh, I go to Chicago, bring my, actually bring my family to Chicago. On Monday, I'm made aware of a protective order against Zach. Uh, once again, he does not tell me. A protective order is obviously very serious. And um, I begin to go into termination mentality. And I alert Gene Smith a few hours later, and I fire Zach Smith. Um, one other thing that uh, is, I was asked several times throughout the investigation, and recently I've been asked, and it's about the deleted text messages or changing the setting on my phone. And I have never deleted a text message. I've never changed the setting on my phone. And uh, I was asked that. I made that clear to the investigators. Uh, I've made it clear also many, many people have access to my phone, including IT people, including to people that help me recruit. It's not uncommon for me to recruit over 100 players a day and send out graphics and videos. Uh, I have hundreds of videos of my grandson and other family videos. And what happens is my phone started locking up throughout the spring and uh, throughout the spring. And he would, the IT person would take my phone and whatever he did, he did to increase his storage capacity. And I found out in uh, uh, several months ago, I think late spring is what I was told, is that he changed my setting to one year. So once again, I never changed a setting on my phone. I never changed a text message on my phone. And uh, when I heard that, I just, uh, all due respect to the report, I would never do that. And I, I did not do that. I don't even know how to change a setting on my phone. All right, guys, before we react to what Urban had to say and how this is going to affect the football team, Bean's got a message from FanDuel. Yeah, absolutely. What's new in 2018 for FanDuel? Uh, focus on FanDuel having more ways to win than ever before. This is coming to life through new product features and game styles for FanDuel. They have a couple of new uh, game styles for you between Survivor, Gridiron Pick'em, Guru, Friends, Beat the Score. Let me tell you about Guru. Guru is the new tool that makes building smarter lineups simple for fans for all skill levels so players can be confident you're putting the best team on the field. This is a responsive, wizard-like draft process that makes recommendations and provides tips as you draft based on who you're picking. Make sure you guys get to FanDuel. I've got friends who play it. I play it. I actually had a buddy this weekend who won $750 on FanDuel. That's cold, hard cash. It goes straight to you. Come play uh, FanDuel every weekend, Maddie. You are locked on Buckeyes. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry. I won't finish. You get the idea. So, Beam, he's back, right? So now we can talk mm, football-wise. is back. And I think a lot of people, myself included, we're very, very curious to see how this is going to work now that he's running the show. Because under Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson, all of the offensive minds that have been in charge since Urban wasn't in the building, we've seen an offense just play at a ridiculously electric, high clip. Man. It's been absolutely electric. And now, in the back of my mind, part of me is thinking we're going to see more RPO stuff because that's Urban's bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm hoping we don't. Because what they've got going right now with the quarterback that they have it is scary for defenses to deal with that. And I don't think that Dwayne Haskins is comfortable doing the RPO stuff the way Braxton, the way JT, you know what? the way Tim no. Tebow, all of these former urban quarterbacks, 
the way they've done this thing is they have run the ball a ton with their legs, and it's been a valuable asset with them. Now I think you've got a quarterback who's built completely different than those guys. Can he do it? Yes. We saw him rush for a touchdown in the TCU game. Uh, Ryan Day came out and actually said that was Kevin Wilson's call on the play. So that's a really good thing to have valuable assets like that on your sideline. Former head coaches that can make plays like that or make call plays like that, it's a big thing. But, Beam, I am a bit concerned just because we know when things get tight with Urban, Mm -hmm. he loves to use the quarterback to run. And Johnny Dixon did an interview I saw on BTN. I caught a clip of it on Twitter, and he was saying that he doesn't think Dwayne's that comfortable with it because it's not his strength. So hopefully we stay away from that and he continues to throw the ball downfield because he's a beast doing that. You've got a guy in Dwayne Haskins who is one of the most elite pro-style quarterbacks in college football right now. He is the biggest pro prospect at quarterback that Ohio State has ever had. And this is me saying this three games into a college football season. He is the most elite quarterback prospect and will be the most successful Ohio State quarterback in the NFL when it's all said and done. Like, there's just no way around it. He has the game to translate to the next level. He's that good. And when you have a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins that has that much faith in his arm, Matty, you have guys running around the field. They're open. Right. They're running routes exactly to the specifications that Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach, has drawn up. Yep. You have a guy in Dwayne Haskins who is so good and has so much pocket presence that I'm 100% with you that there's no need for no. if you want if you want to sprinkle in an RPO where you can hand Fine. it hand it into Dobbins or hand it off to Mike Weber and have Dwayne roll out of the pocket and right. throw while on the move I'm fine with that. Me too. I'm fine with that, but do not under any circum well, I shouldn't say under any circumstances, but for the majority of circumstances, you can't count on Dwayne Haskins to run the ball 12 to 16 times a game. This offense is so much better when he is just planted back there, flat foot, gets gets the ability to step into his throws, yes. climb the pocket, and go up and throw the ball to your receivers. Get the balls to your playmakers, and that's what he is so good at. And so I really think it's going to be interesting, not necessarily in the two-lane game, because I think this is another roll-the-helmets-out game for Ohio State. Yep. I think that Urban will want to show everybody uh, that he's back, and I think Tulane's in for a bad time this weekend. But the real test, as we've been saying, is going to come in two weeks when you go to whiteout conditions in Happy Valley and you take on Penn State. This is going to be the true test and how Urban Meyer and Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson get along and who is going to ultimately be calling the plays. Does Urban Meyer have the trust in Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson? And I think it's going to be a huge thing going forward, and we'll find out in two weeks' time. We're definitely going to be find out in two weeks' time. That's going to be a monster game next week. I can't take talk, wait to talk about that, but we got to get through two-lane week. Mm-hmm. And this is also one of those quote-unquote trap weeks. We can see it happen, sure. right, where they know what's on the horizon. They know how big of a deal that game's going to be for the Big Ten East. You know, if they lose that game, it looks like Penn State's going to be in charge of that division right away because Michigan's not looking great. Sparty's not looking great. And Penn State would be in charge of the Big Ten East if they do lose that game. I mean, you're just talking about the style of play offensively that Ohio State's been throwing out there. I mean, Dwayne Haskins right now has seven total rushing attempts through three games. I love that. Seven. I love it. Through three games. And we talked about this last week, I believe. With these receivers now, all of these guys coming back and all those guys actually getting 
open beam, that is a huge, huge deal because we heard it last year and the year before with Urban talking about when they go back and watch the film, guys just aren't open. So a lot of people wanted to put things on JT, and I get that. I mean, JT, was he the most accurate quarterback? Absolutely not. But he won a ton of ball games, and he came up with kind of big plays throughout his career to keep Ohio State on the field. But now with Dwayne and guys separating at the second level and getting behind safeties and all that stuff, you have the quarterback to take advantage of that, and they need to continue to do that with him back. And we didn't even mention the running backs yet. I mean, what those guys have been able to do coming out of the backfield has been absolutely phenomenal. So why put your quarterback in harm's way, especially when you're talking about a guy behind him and Tate Martell doesn't have a lot of experience. You need to keep Dwayne healthy and don't let him get free, you know, hits from these linebackers sure. and safeties when he gets to the second level. So I just don't think it's a necessary thing for them this year being, but you know what Urban likes to do. Sure. And some we of these coaches and some of these coaches, when they're stuck in their ways and they've been doing it for 15 plus years, mm -hmm. it's hard for them to turn into something else when they're comfortable with calling certain plays in certain situations. I just think that if you were going to recruit Dwayne Haskins uh with the with the knowing that he is going to be a starter at Ohio State at some point in time, you know this is coming down the barrel. When you have a guy who you recruit who you know isn't the strongest runner in the world, sure he can do it. Right. He's athletic enough where he can run the ball. It's not that that I'm worried about Dwayne Haskins running the ball. It's not that I'm I'm nervous that, you know, a play's gonna break down and he can't get a yard when he needs to. Right. This is a big dude, he can run. We saw his his elusiveness in the Michigan game. He, you know, goes up the goes up the sideline for thirty yards, gets down near the goal line and scores. It's not that I'm worried about it. It is just the fact that you don't need to do it. No. You have other guys in this offense right. who can run the ball. And when you look back at the TCU game, you look at back at a a Mike Weber play where you know I I think it was first and ten or second and ten or something like that where Mike Weber was stuffed absolutely at the line of scrimmage. His offensive line kind of gives up on the play because they think he's down. He bursts through a couple tackles. He gets twelve yards. Listen, when you have two guys like that, when you have two guys like J.K. Dobbins and M Mike Weber. It doesn't matter if the quarterback can run the ball. Is Would it be nice if there was an option to run the ball? Yeah, certainly it would with another playmaker back there with your legs. But it's something that I'm so adamant about that with Dwayne Haskins, while you recruited him here at Ohio State, even though you've been running the same offense for 15 years, Urban Meyer has, that you knew this was going to be the one-off season. Yep. And listen, Dwayne Haskins this year leaves and goes to the NFL. Tate Martell comes in next year. Boom, you're right back to seeing that Great RPO point. style. Great you're point. right back to seeing JT Barrett, Braxton Miller types. Yep. But this year is a different animal, and you have to play to your strengths right. of your team, and that's the strength. I honestly think, and I don't even know if this is a hot take right now, but I think Come draft time, we're going to be talking about Dwayne Haskins as possibly the number one overall Me pick. Me too, man. I honestly yeah, believe that. I know. And it's not because of where we're at no. doing this podcast. When you look at college football right now and some of the top quarterbacks that we've been hearing about, the Greers, the Herberts, and all those guys, sure. I mean, I'm looking at the conferences that, that they're coming from, the defenses that they're facing, and they're not going to be anywhere near as tough as what he's putting up against you know, the Penn States, the Michigans, the Michigan States. When we get to those games, you know those are well-coached teams. Those are defensive-minded teams, especially both the teams from Michigan. So he, if he puts up big games beam against those teams, gets into the playoff and balls out, we'll definitely be talking about Dwayne Haskins uh, potentially as the number one overall pick. Here's a quick clip from Urban about uh, watching his team while away. I was just devastated, and uh, I love these players. You know, I have such a great respect for these players, and, and uh, that's why I try to share throughout my career is that how hard these guys work. I think, you know, a lot of times people see number 68 or number 5, number 7, and the time and effort that goes into that, and that's their payday, that's their, re that's their time to go showcase, and I'm not a part of it. I think even as hard as that was not being with them during the training camp. 
that's when you build your team. That's when I stay in a hotel with them. Uh, very difficult. So I, I watched them at home. Some support would come over my house, friends, very close friends. And uh, this one in particular, I only watched the good plays. I couldn't take it. I only watched the good ones. My uh, daughter kept me updated, and I would seriously leave the room. It sounds silly, but I would leave the room. When I, that, that, uh, the way that game started, uh, it looked like that was an even. I mean, that, that team's very good. So I only watched the good plays. Biting his fingernails, Beam. Biting I think his like fingernails. everyone else when I that think game so. started. And there you go. I mean, there's the passion for from Urban Meyer. He knew how big of a game this was for his guys, and he was just chomping at the bit. And I'm sure, like we said yesterday, he's going to want to take heads off when he gets on the sideline on Saturday against Tulane. We're going to take a quick break here, but before we do that, I want to let you know about our friends from my bookie. You know, ever since I started this pod, being people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie trust me guys they're your best bet this season visit my bookie online today that's my bookie b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to use the promo code locked 25 when creating your account to claim up to a thousand dollars in free play everybody check out our guys from my bookie we'll take a quick break here and we've got an update on one nick bosa this is locked on buckeyes your team every day. So unfortunately, Urban did step to the podium yesterday, Beam, and kind of reveal some unfortunate news about what I think is Ohio State's best player right now, that being Nick Bosa. College football's best player. And I think opinion. that's fair to say, too. When you're talking about this abdomen slash groin thing is mm-hmm. what it's kind of being labeled as right now. Um, he's definitely he's going to miss the two-lane game. And I think this is going to be a wait-and-see approach. I think it's going to be interesting to monitor next week how much Nick Bosa practices, right? Yeah. Because that's going to mm-hmm. be the big thing. And also, how much of a need is it when you're talking about the long-term play of the season? Because I do think this is a team that's going to have a real shot to win a national championship this year if they yep. take care of business. So I think you have to keep that Penis. in mind. <laughs> but we know for sure, Tulane, you're not going to see Nick Bosa. I don't even think it's going to be that big of a deal because of the opponent. But next week against Penn State, you love him out there. Love to have him out there chasing around Trace McSorley. Yeah, you just look at Nick Bosa and how he's able to take over a game. Uh, you saw it in the early parts of this TCU game where he's out there. Uh, TCU's running some offense to be able to uh, you know, take the D-lines out of the game. That's what we said here uh, right on the Locked on, Locked on Buckeyes podcast. We said that they would do that very early on. But, yep. Maddie, uh, when you have a team like Ohio State and a defensive line like they do, uh, they're like a boa constrictor. You, know, you may get them a yes. few times. You may be able to beat that rush. Uh, a little bit in the games, but all it takes is one play mm-hmm. uh, where a quarterback hangs onto the ball too long. You try to evade the pocket. You got a blindside uh, rush coming in there. You know, it's just it's only a matter of time before the de- defensive line wins wins their battle every single week. And uh, to Nick Bosa, to his uh, you know his injury that he's got going on there. Think about that. You know, a, a lower abdominal uh, groin injury. You know. You can't move. You you can't move without right. those muscles. Right. And I'm sure you know we all saw it uh, on Saturday night when Nick Bosa left the game and he came back in. You know he was hurting. He was hurting. Of course he, he was, was hurting pretty yeah. good. Uh, the thing that I'll be interested to watch though is that a guy who stretches for an hour and a half, two hours a day, who puts so much time and effort into keeping his body healthy into um, you know creating this body that is literally built for beating offensive linemen and being able to stretch and right. do wild things. 
what is that going to do for his recovery time? Because you'd have to imagine yeah. if me or you go through that. Listen, I played in a softball game last night. I'm hurting, okay? <laughs> right. Like, I don't stretch as much as Nick right, Bosa right, does. Right. I'm hurting today. Yeah. But I'd imagine that a guy uh, of Nick Bosa's caliber, uh, you're going to have a little bit quicker of a rehab time. So let's say, you know, even if it is a, a six-week injury uh, where you're looking at, which I think could be worst-case scenario for Ohio State, that he's out, you know, about half of the season um, – I just look at Nick Bosa, and you look at a guy like Tuff Borland as well who came back from an Achilles injury. The ability for Mick Marotti as the strength and conditioning coach at Ohio State to get his guys right and the Ohio State health staff to be able to do uh, just innovative – have innovative processes to get these guys back from injuries, I think it will be interesting to watch because you're right. You know, this may be – for me and you, this may put us on the shelf for three months. Right. But for a finely tuned athlete who puts so much time and effort into his body, right. I think you may have a little bit of a quicker rehab. Time. And just looking at you know the kind of the competitor that Nick Bosa is, you better believe he is rehabbing the heck out of this thing, night and day, in between classes, all that. He's probably living at the sure. Woody Hayes Center because I guarantee you he wants to play against Penn State Absolutely, next week. I mean, man. that's the game. Look at that, what Big Bro did against exactly. Penn State ended the, last the game. Time in Absolutely Happy ended the game. Put the running back right into the quarterback slap. Ended the game. See you. We're going home with a dub. And I have to imagine. And that he wants to put his stamp on these type of games. These are big historical games. When you play at Penn State are. night games, when the division's up for grabs kind of early in the season, that's this what is this a is. huge game, right? I think the East is up for grabs next week because you look at Sparty and Michigan and what the way they're doing things early in the year, it has not looked great at all. So now Jonathan Cooper, Draymond Jones, B.B. Landers, Chase Young, the Predator, Chase all Young, you guys Cornell, everyone. step up. This is why you were brought mm-hmm. to Ohio State to play on these big t- in these big time games and step up and make plays. And I happen to think they'll be able to do that because when you look at Penn State, the thing is going to be containing Trace McSorley. We talked about it with sure. Robinson again from TCU. If you let Trace McSorley get out of the pocket and make plays, you're going to have a long, long week. So no, we got Tulane first. We'll talk more about that tomorrow when we're back on the pod. We'll talk a ton about the Big Ten stuff. I'm sure we'll have some more sound to play for you guys. Beam, any last words before we get out of here today? Bear down, Chicago Bears. Great win. Uh, <laughs> be interested to see what Nick Bosa, uh, his timetable is when we get into the Penn State week next week. Yes, no doubt about it. We'll be back tomorrow. This is uh, the show for the 18th. You've been listening to the Locked On Buckeye Podcast with Matt Hayes and Brandon Bean from 97.1 The Fan.